Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. If you wanted to stay in just one passage of Scripture and you want to find that passage, I'd have you turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It'll be a couple of minutes before I get there, but that will be a primary area of our study here today. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. You can uh, borrow a Bible next to you from someone that's seated with you. Look at their Bible. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you're welcome to use that or a tablet just so that you could be following God's Word. On the other hand, we also gave you outline today that has Scripture in it for those of you that are new and didn't know about bringing a Bible. This is a Bible church, and many people have Bibles, and you might have not had yours with you, and that's all right. We just want you to have it what we have for you as well. I want to kind of talk today. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of foundation, then we're going to answer some questions so it'll sound a little bit like a catechism or a little bit like a Bible doctrine class because if we're going to talk about leading from the inside out, we cannot leave the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is paramount. He's the epicenter of our growth would be the Holy Spirit. So spiritual strength is really God's strength active in and through Christians. Spiritual strength is really God's strength active in and through people like you and me. You know, it's our heart's desire that our young people would not have their faith rest upon the wisdom of the world, but we would want to have their faith really on the power, rest on the power of God, and that comes from the inside, and that's having God inside of us. Today, we're going to learn a little bit about what's the difference between God living in us and God living in us actively and working through us. The Holy Spirit coming inside just to reside and the Holy Spirit coming inside to be active in our life. So we're going to learn some important truths about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But there are four facts that I have to build on before I go over those questions. So if you'd like to follow along in your outline, you might. These might be helpful to you, especially if you are discipling or sharing this with other people or maybe people in your family or maybe some of your grandkids or so some of you that are older. These would be four essential truths as they begin to understand about the Holy Spirit in their life. One of the things we learn that you will never grow strong and you will never grow up and you will never be an influence on other people for the good unless you know that you're a Christian. Spiritual strength only happens to those who are blood-bought, born-again Christians. Now, we're not talking about Christians as so-called religion is different from this religion or that cult. We're talking about people that are absolutely certain they have eternal life because they have placed their faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone, and that would be a Christian. Now, I'd like to know how many are here today that uh, know Christ as their Savior. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to know how many are going to heaven. If you're to die today... How many are sure you'd go to hell? Raise your hand. All right, you've got to pay attention now, all right? How many go to heaven when they die? Oh, I've got to change my message now. All these hands are up. But actually, it is for those that know Christ the Savior. And if you didn't raise your hand and you're a little bit confused, let me explain why it's important for you. If you're here, something brought you here today, a person or whatever, but you're here today because God wants you to know how that you can know you can have eternal life. And so I want you to know you're not here accidentally. There is a supernatural thing already going on in your life as a guest. God wants you to be sure of your salvation. Now, in order for you to grow spiritually and to get to know him even more, it will not happen to a person who doesn't know Christ. You may learn about Christ. You may learn about the Bible. But even then, you'll have a hard time fully grasping its meaning. And why is that? Because Scripture says in 1 Corinthians that the natural man, the natural man would be someone who is not spiritually alive. 
natural like all humans are but not supernatural because of the spirit inside of them and it says the natural man cannot receive the things of God they're like dead as it says in scripture oh yeah physically you're alive but spiritually you're you're dead so the natural man cannot receive the things of God and even more than that they can't even know the things of God so you may know some things about him but even all those dots will never be connected until you know Christ as Savior. So salvation is not just uh, fire insurance. Salvation is not merely I have a destination of heaven. Uh, salvation is so huge, so big, and so important that you need to know Christ as your Savior. I was reared in a home where we never had a Bible. We never went to church. We never prayed even. I knew good boys go to heaven and bad boys go to hell because my dad said, Stan, if you're good, you'll go to heaven. But Stan, if you're bad, you're going to hell. And then my dad said, you're bad. So I want you to know I thought I was going to hell. I was a natural man, not certain of having eternal life. And somewhere along the line in my early years, before I was 16, something happened where I began to have a quest for God. I wanted to know how to have eternal life. I was a natural man, though. I didn't understand the things of God. I heard a lot of different stuff out there, but none of it connected. I was like they would say, a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that wasn't there. That's how lost I was. Now, it didn't show up so much in a lifestyle, but it did show up in an emptiness of my heart. And then when I was 16, a girl was seated next to me in a public speaking class. I took it because I thought I might do some public speaking as I was growing up. She took the class because she was shy and thought that would bring her out. So in that class, she invited me out to a youth ministry, youth program, very much like yours, filled with kids that were alive and excited for God. Kids that really cared for one another and yet were still kids, if you know what I mean. Well, I went to that meeting that night, and I'm so glad that I did. It wasn't a date. It was just that she cared for me. I was just one fish in the ocean that got caught in her net to come to something like this. That night, there was a man that sat on an old stool with a well-worn Bible that looked so worn that like he drug it behind his pickup truck. You know, one of those old Bibles. Maybe you've got one like that all marked up. And what he did that night is he did something very special. He showed to all of us how we can trust the veracity of Scripture through science, history, prophecy, that this was God's mind and voice on paper. And so all of a sudden, I'm now, I could trust this Bible. I wonder what it really has to say to me. And then he knew there were kids just like me in the room, just like there may be people here or listening to me on radio or maybe on the Internet that are kind of stumbling in here but not certain. Well, that night he explained how that we could have eternal life. And he used an illustration that I picked up and used often in my ministry. Would you like to see that illustration? All right, thank you for the one of you that did. All right, so let's going to see it. For you, I'm going to show it. The rest, they get it for free, all right? Let my right hand represent you and me. Those of you in the balcony, can you see my right hand? That's going to represent all of us. Really the world, but today, all of us. This is you and me. And I'm going to let my wallet right here represent sin. The Bible says that we were born with sin nature, so we're a sinner by nature, but then with that nature, we made wrong choices, so we became sinful through that. So I'm a sinner by nature and by choice. How many here could admit that you've done something wrong? Maybe told, maybe a a lie in your life, Uh, maybe a little lie, a white lie, pink lie, whatever you want to call it. How many can honestly say you've told at least one lie in your life? Would you raise your hand? My hand is up too, okay. How many of you can honestly say that you've stolen something from someone? Maybe a change off your parents' dresser when you were a kid. Uh, you kind of 
grabbed an answer off someone else's paper and you just finished your taxes? Well, anyway, um, how many could say that you have uh, uh, stolen something from somebody? W- would you raise your hand just for a moment? You cannot, you told, okay. Well, then I have this to say to all of you. Ladies, watch your purses. There's a bunch of liars and thieves in this room. <laughs> but more seriously than that, and I certainly don't want to make light of that, what we really did, in fact, was this. When we raised our hands, we then admitted, I am a sinner, and by essence, I need a Savior. So again, this is you and me, and my wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. The Bible says that because we're a sinner by nature and choice, we are already, this is this part, separated from God. We're a natural man. We can't even receive the things of God. We don't have eternal life. We have nothing. We are condemned. It's awful. The Bible says, though, that we have to be perfect to go to heaven because all of a sudden people start thinking, ooh, I'm really bad. That's a good way to think. We are. We're sinners. Therefore, I must be good to go to heaven and I got to be perfect. And the Bible says if you tell one lie, you won't make it into heaven. Perfection is necessary. And I'm so glad for that because when I hear that I, I need to be perfect, it really seals the deal that no amount of good works will get me to heaven because I have to be that perfect. That means I could never sin in my past. I can never sin in the future. I have to be perfect. I'll never be perfect. My nature is already depraved. I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm helpless. And I'm desperate for God. So this is you and me with our sin on us. I'm a sinner. I have to be perfect to go to heaven. I can't get there. The Bible says good works don't get me there. And I don't care. There's two categories of works. One would be religious works, and you know what they could be, anything from being baptized to joining churches or social good deeds, giving money, helping people, whatever that might want to be. But the Bible says that I'm a sinner and no good deed I do myself. I could clean myself off, turn over a new leaf. I still have sin on me over here. Nothing I do can get rid of that because it's so much a part of me. Now again, up in the balcony, can you see my left hand now? My left hand represents God who took on flesh, Jesus Christ. I mean that reverently. This over here with the wallet on my right hand represents me with sin. Can you see that? There's a difference. Christ, no sin. Me, sin. My sin separates me from Christ. My sin separates me from heaven. God loves me, but he hates my sin. And I thought he hated me because I was a sinner. No, no, no. He loves me even though I am a sinner. We're all sinners. He loves all of us. So here's what happens. When Jesus died, he took all my sin on himself when he died. He didn't pay for part of our sins, and then we pay for the rest. We don't sing that song, Jesus paid in part, and I'll pay part myself. You know, we don't sing that old hymn that way. Jesus paid every bit of that. And when he died, he rose again from the dead, and all he did then was pay for my ticket to get into heaven. And I say that simply rather than so. I'm not trying to be harassed, but basically that's what it is. He paid for that ticket for me to be in his family in heaven and all of that but now I need to still do something to go to heaven I need to place my faith in Christ that's the only work <laughs> that's not a work how many know John 3.16 do you all know John 3.16 at this church would you quote it out loud with me alright again my right hand representing you and me with our sin my left hand representing Christ the Bible says and now quote it with me for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever behaves shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. No, it doesn't say behave, does it? And yet today the vast majority can quote the most quoted verse in the Bible that's the least understood, and they'll still say it's by behaving. God doesn't look at the outward side of our, of our deeds. It's not by anything we do. It's by faith alone. All right, look up here again. Let's see if we can quote it correctly. Quote it again out loud with me, will you? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes and behaves shouldn't perish but ever. There are people that believe that, that you have to believe, but you also have to be water baptized. You have to believe and you have to do, and they all kind of put it together. It's either going to be by grace and works. If it's by works, it'll never happen. It's not going to be by grace and works together. It could only be by God's grace and our faith in him that saves us. Now listen carefully. You don't have to quote it out loud. I'm going to go back over the verse. And this time I'll quote it correctly, but explain a couple parts in there so you can join in on understanding this so that you won't be a natural man, so you can grow. So here we are with our sin. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that's everybody in the world, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. Now, when he gave his son, that means he gave his son a life, a death, a resurrection, an ascension, a continual eternality of Christ. He gave his son and every part of his son for you and me. He gave his son to die and rise again for us and our sin. Then it says that whosoever, that basically means whatever kind of person you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done wrong, whoever you are, if you will now place your faith alone in him, you won't perish. If you believe in him, you won't perish. Physically, we all will. We get that part. I think you're smart enough to figure that out. But the inside of us will not perish. We will exist forever in heaven with him in an eternal relationship. Now listen very carefully about what I'm going to say. Believing still didn't save anyone. It's the object of our faith that saves us. If I believe in myself, I will die and go to hell. If I believe in my system of what I think it'll take for me to get to the next life, I won't go to heaven. But I need to believe in Christ. Now watch carefully. I'm going to split a a hair right now. First, I believe Christ. He's telling me the truth. That he is God. That he died and rose again. That type of thing. So I believe him. Now I trust him for the full forgiveness of my sin. And what's so cool about that? All of us can cease being merely a natural man. And now once we trust Christ... We can receive and know the things of God. That means we can grow spiritually and that also means we can be a positive influence on others from the inside out. Well, that's fact number one, except one little anecdote to this. Remember I told you I was invited to this meeting? A high school girl did that. In June, we'll be married 47 years. Happily married about 44, but we've been married 47 years. Now, my wife says, be sure to tell you all, when I say that, it was the first few years that was a little bumpy, not the last few years, all right? I just want you to know that you can just be found faithful in inviting people to hear a message like this, and it begins for them. So that's fact number one. Fact number two is that when we begin to grow for the Lord, it's not in our own strength. You'll notice how I uh, embolden these words here. It says, strengthen with might through His Spirit. I will park on that a little bit more in a few moments, but I want you to know that our strength to be able to live this Christian life is based not on our strength, but it is based totally upon his strength. It is truly an inside job. So it's on his strength that is within me, and that is so beautiful to know that. But it's also not physical strength. Some people think that in order for me to really have an influence on others, I gotta be jumping and jiving and have a lot of physical strength and be involved in tons of ministry. 
I think all of us can be involved in some ministry. Anything that we choose to do for the purpose of adding value to others at whatever gifted, spiritual giftedness or ability that we have to do that, we can do it. But at the same time, it's not always with physical strength. One of our graduates named Steve has got stage four prostate cancer, uh, broken rib right now for when he fell. And he called me knowing that we were moving from Honolulu to Orlando to help the college, Florida Bible College, really get going. And by the way, people say, why would you leave Honolulu to go to Orlando to start a college when all these other colleges are closing? The answer is simple, brain damage. But uh, no, just joking if the board is listening. But uh, in moving, he said, Stan, I'd like to know how I can help you. And we're just there. My wife, literally, our furniture has not arrived. We don't even know when it's going to come from Long Beach yet. They're kind of trying to find it right now as it came off the ship, literally. That's not a joke. So my wife's been sleeping on the floor while you all put us up in a hilt and don't tell her, okay? But that's what's happening. She's waiting there. So she doesn't know her way to the airport. So Steve said, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'm telling you that story is because Steve did what he could to bring me in his old van. He picked me up. We had the most wonderful fellowship on the way to the airport. He got me to the airport on time, etc. Here's the illustration from that. He's not a strong man. He cannot preach, cannot teach. But whatever he could do with the limited amount of strength that he had, he used it for the glory of God. So I'm looking at those of you that have a hard time walking up those stairs. Those of you that couldn't even come to the frontier, you're kind of all around. It's not based on your physical strength. It's based on the spiritual strength that you have if you choose to activate that strength. So I hope that we don't just plateau in our life so it's not physical strength, it's spiritual strength. Look back at the verse, again emboldened. It says, might through his spirit in the inner man. How many people do you know that uh, whatever age, that doesn't only have to be elderly, but whatever age, you know that they are not the person they used to be because of something that's hindering them physically whatever it might be, but I'm going to add this caveat. When you're around them, they encourage you. When you're around them, they bless you. When, they're around, when you're around them, they, you know they're praying for you. When you're around them, you just kind of sense this inner peace that gives you that strength to move on for God. That's what I'm talking about. All of us can do that in some measure. Well, lastly, it takes time and discipline. It takes time and discipline in order for us to really develop our spiritual strength in our life. Notice there what I put in again, it's emboldened. It says, and exercise yourself toward godliness. Circle the word exercise, if you will, because there is a certain amount of work that we do to strengthen ourselves. Now, I know I look a lot of some, not a lot, but those of you that are the middle-aged people, you look pretty good around here. You can tell that you've worked out. That's a good thing, and we know the more we work out, the better we are. I've heard some of you are involved in running and track and other things. That's because you paid the price. You've eaten right, you've rested right, you do your flexing, you do your cardio, you do your weightlifting. That is excellent. And by the way, that's important for all of us to remember because we can only serve the Lord in the flesh, if you know what I mean. I don't mean in the spiritual flesh. I'm just talking about with our bodies. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like we exercise to be strong and the older we get, the more our doctors tell us, I don't care how old you are, still try to do a leg lift once in a while. Do something to move around. Now let's move over to the spiritual disciplines. If we want to grow spiritually and if we want to influence others, look up here for a moment now. We need the spirit of God inside of us that energizes us, but we also have to have the strength and the willpower to flip the switch to allow the spirit to be activated in our life to begin to be used. And so there are some disciplines for us to do that. Again, with the young people yesterday, they were taught 
how to study their Bible. They were taught how to have a quiet time. They were taught how to pray. They were taught how to communicate the gospel on their level, really nose to nose, eyes to eyes, uh, uh, toes to toes with others with the gospel. That's all part of growing spiritually. Now let me say something very important now because I don't want to move into legalism. So listen very carefully. I can do the spiritual habits, Bible study, prayer, devotions, and all of that. I can do all of that and never be spiritual because I'm just going through the motions of it. I go to church because that's what everybody does. I go to church because I don't want to get a phone call the next day. Where were you? I go to church. You, you will not be spiritual just by doing the spiritual habits. On the other hand, listen carefully, you will never be spiritual without doing those spiritual habits. Did you catch that? So it's a choice we make to do it from the inside out because we love the Lord and we want to know him better. And it does take discipline to do that. Well, now I'd like to speak a little bit about the power for living. And we're going to give you five questions to answer. And this would be a little, maybe a worksheet you can use with some of your family members or someone that you're discipling now. So what's question number one if I want to have this power for living? Well, where do I get this power? And the source happens to be the Godhead. Now, obviously, it seems like the epicenter of the Godhead that talks a lot about power is going to be the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of your messages that you're going to hear about power for living will accentuate the Holy Spirit as it should. However, sometimes we accentuate the Spirit so much so that we leave out the entire Trinity is all involved in our growth spiritually from the inside out. Now, those of you that are listening to me on radio or perhaps on our websites that are listening and maybe uh, YouTube or wherever else, I want you to know you missed a golden opportunity to be here at Byron Center to be able to listen to this great vast group of people worship the Lord. Every song that was uh, sung, every hymn that we sang as one family, young and old, tall and short, they all those songs all reverberated around God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You will never know truly how much that blessed my soul. One of the private things that I have done in my quiet time as I read through Scripture is to try to find how many times God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are wrapped up all within a very short passage of Scripture. One more time defining and identifying the Trinity in Scripture. Now I said that to say this. Since I was... I'm immersing myself in that private study. It comes out so frequently in my Bible preaching that as I pastored for 11 years in Honolulu, our people have really grabbed a hold of the significance of the Trinity in our life. Now let me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that one part of the Godhead is more important than the other. Often when we refer to the Godhead, we usually say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't we do that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy... It's like a totem pole. Most important on top, least important on the bottom. We're not really saying that. Each one of those of the Godhead are the same and equal and yet all different, all important, yet all have different ministries, but all work together, yet they're all the same. So can you pray to the Holy Spirit? Yep, why? Because you're praying to the Godhead. You're praying to the Lord. That being said, let's quickly go back to this. I don't want to overload that on the Trinity, but I wanted you to see that our source really comes from the Trinity. You have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have God. It's kind of like having three energy drinks all in one when you drink. How many of you know what I mean by an energy drink? Would you raise your hand? Okay. 
How about um, three extra scoops of coffee in your coffee maker? Three more charges of caffeine. You know what I mean? Raise your hand, all right? So I'm not trying to minimize each one of these or you become more powerful when you have all three. But I do want you to know you have got the Godhead inside of you. Now listen carefully to that. That means that if I want to have power for living for the glory of God, watch this, this is so cool. I don't need anything else because I have all that I need in the person of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you agree with that, would you say, "Uh uh-huh? Will you now draw upon that? Say amen. Amen. So now that is going to be your source, which means now this. Those of you that are saying in your life right now that I can't influence someone because I have too many hurts. I have too many bad habits. I have too many... uh, terrible hang-ups in my life I have my hurts habits and hang-ups and I really can't do this Stan you have no idea how these things have really kept me from being the influence that I really want to be but I'm now not well I want you to know that I can identify with hurts habits and hang-ups because hey you're in a room full of people with them but the difference is there'll be those who'll hear this message from God's word and say I'm not going to let my hurts habits and hang-ups drag me down any longer but I can't do it myself. I tried to do this myself, and it hasn't worked as I've grown up a little bit. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.